I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, we are both excited to tell you why you should go see Thor Ragnarok. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'm also excited about another new movie we saw this week, or I saw anyways. I'll tell you about The Florida Project. Plus... We'll tell you what's new on home video. First, it's the news... From the couch... Continue to get pumped for the release of Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Huge news this week that there will be a brand new Star Wars trilogy with all new characters. That means none of these guys will be in it. I got a bad feeling about this. This is madness. I think it is time we demonstrated the full power of this station. Hey, Jedi craves not these things. No. I am your father. <laughs> I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. You said people gonna die? Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson will create the new trilogy, and a statement from Lucasfilm says, quote, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. In the meantime, The Last Jedi debut is December 15th. The second standalone Star Wars story, Solo, is set to debut May 25th, 2018, and Episode 9 will debut December 20th, 2019. This is not going to go the way you think. There's more fallout over the sexual harassment allegations against Kevin Spacey. The two-time Oscar winner has been cut from Ridley Scott's finished film, All the Money in the World, which is scheduled for release December 22nd. To be a Getty is an extraordinary thing. My grandfather wasn't just the richest man in the world. He was the richest man in the history of the world. Kevin Spacey in heavy makeup made to make him look older plays J. Paul Getty, a real-life billionaire who famously refused to cough up the ransom for his kidnapped grandson. Mr. Getty! Mr. Getty! Mr. Getty! How much would you pay to release your grandson if not $17 million? Nothing. That's from the movie trailer, but it won't be in the movie. Instead, Christopher Plummer will replace Spacey, and there's word Scott intends to reshoot the scenes with Plummer right away and have it edited in time to meet that December release date. How's he going to be able to do it? Quote, I'm super fast, he tells Vanity Fair. Not about that specifically, but about the general production of All the Money in the World. Scott says he started shooting the movie around the time his last movie, Alien Covenant, hit theaters, which was just his past May. You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. It will also help that Spacey's part is relatively small, and honestly, worst case scenario is that the movie does get pushed back, which could screw up its awards eligibility maybe, but all things considered, that's a small price to pay. In the grand scheme of things, we'll find out December 22nd. Miss Getty, we have your son. Is this some kind of joke? 17 million dollars to release him. I don't have any money. Get it from your father-in-law. He has all the money in the world. Tonight, we 
we're taking game night up a notch. Oh, boy. Mm. Someone in this room is going to be taken, and it's going to be up to you to find them. It's a murder mystery party. Hey, that was Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights and Winston from New Girl teeing up the teaser for a new action mystery comedy called Game Night. Whoever finds the victim wins the grand prize. You're not going to know what's real and what's fake. Wait a sec, you can't just come in here and break the door. Oh! Looks so real. Guys, make sure you get a piece of this cheese. Yeah. It's oh, just the first one that follows us gets shot. Okay, Roger that. You drive safe. Time to play the game! Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams also star in Game Night. In that clip, Coach Taylor, a.k.a. actor Kyle Chandler, is explaining Game Night, and then two guys in masks break into the house, beat him up, and take him, and the partygoers think it's all part of the game. But is it? It's not a joke. People are in real danger. Is this gun real? Oh, oh no, Andy. Oh, oh no, no. no. Rachel McAdams just clipped Jason Bateman's arm with that gunshot, and he's freaking out. As the night goes on, they face all sorts of dangerous situations, including McAdams getting held at gunpoint next to an airplane. Stop! Wait, wait, I have kids at home. Not with an ass like that, you don't. Oh. Well, thank you. Yes! Oh no, he died! Yeah, he got sucked into the jet engine. Game Night looks innovative and fun and has a great cast. It opens March 2nd, 2018. This is instructions on how to remove a bullet. Didn't have rubbing alcohol, so I got you this lovely shard. Good idea. Way to pivot. And then a squeaky toy. For the pain. That's smart, huh? A trailer came out this week for a movie with one of the highest pedigrees of all times. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear. I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one, either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. It's called The Post. It stars Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks together on screen for the first time ever. And it's directed by Steven Spielberg. That's enough to put me in line to buy a ticket, and I presume many others as well. But we might as well find out what the movie's about. The papers they were speaking about are the Pentagon Papers, leaked government files regarding the Vietnam War. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war. The Times says 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. The way they lied, those days have to be over. It's said in the early 70s, so these leaked documents, they're actual documents, boxes with papers in them, not computer files. Tom Hank plays Ben Bradley, the editor-in-chief of the Washington Post. The New York Times got the leaked papers and he wants them too. I don't know if Ben Bradley had an accent like that in real life, but Hank seems to be enjoying it. His boss is Meryl Streep. She plays the owner of the Post, Kay Graham, the first woman to be the publisher of a big-time newspaper. Kay, people are concerned about having a woman in charge of the paper that she doesn't have the resolve to make the tough choices. Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness. Yeah, she's not too worried about that part of it. You should see the look she gives him. But like everyone else, she is worried because they are playing with fire. 
You're talking about exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? Ben, I might have something. It must be precious cargo. It's just government secrets. If you publish, we'll be at the Supreme Court next week. Meaning? Well, we could all go to prison. There are obviously a lot of parallels from then until now vis-a-vis the tension between the media and our presidential administration. They will have been well down the road of making this movie before Trump became president, so I don't think it's directly pointed at him, but more so, I guess, the nature between many administrations in the media. While the trailer does look okay, it does not look particularly thrilling, but I said the same thing about Bridge of Spies, and that turned out to be Spielberg's best movie in a decade, maybe two. The Post hits theaters December 22nd. If the government wins, the Washington Post will cease to exist. If we don't hold them accountable, who will? We can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper. Nixon will muster the full power of the presidency, and if there's a way to destroy you, by God, he'll find it. I'm asking your advice, Bob, not your permission. She can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country will lose. What are you going to do, Mrs. Graham? Interesting news about the It sequel, which has a couple of big stars looking to be a part of it. A big name has been floating around the internet as someone who should play the adult Bev in the follow-up film adaptation of Stephen King's classic book, and she says she's game. It's Jessica Chastain. Lobbying is about foresight. But anticipating your opponent's moves. She's your enemy now. And devising countermeasures. How the hell did she manage that? You're a piece of work, Elizabeth. I was hired to win. I use whatever resource I have. Now that was from a film called Miss Sloan, but Chastain previously worked with the director of It, Andy Muschietti, on his directorial debut, Mama, a few years back. Also interested in being a part of the IT follow-up in the role of Adult Mike is Idris Elba, who once appeared, before he became a big star, on The Office. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were with anyone. But I just wanted to bring you the brochure on that accounting seminar that I was telling you about earlier. Okay, we're in the middle of saying Angela's Actually, you know, it was so much fun last year. There was a Sunday bar. I mean, I didn't have any, you know, to stay trim. Did Michael just let anybody in his office? Yes, he yes, loved to facilitate communication. Yeah, like, come in. <clears throat> I am aware of the effect I have on women. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from that series. I don't know, it's just so deadpan. Anyway, it has made 326 million domestically and 677 million worldwide. Chapter 2 is set to be released September 6, 2019. In the meantime, Chastain and Elba will soon be co-starring in a film called Molly's Game, based on the true story of Molly Bloom, an 
Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most executive high-stakes poker game and became a target of the FBI. That movie debuts January 5th. Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? I'd be amazed. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we will tell you what is coming to home video. And still to come, we also have reviews of Thor, Ragnarok, and The Florida Project. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Having a look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week. Jeff, where do you want to start? Oh, let's start with uh, a movie we both enjoyed called Wind River. Why would a teenage girl be out here? What is she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup? This isn't the land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own. Luck don't live out here. That's a crime mystery thriller type movie from uh, writer-director Taylor Sheridan, who also wrote the movies Sicario and Come or Hell or High... Come... What is it? Come Hell or High Water? I think it's just called Hell or High Water. Not not Come? Okay. Yeah. Anywho, it's sort of like his uh, unofficial trilogy he's written about uh, some criminal underground elements, and this one was very good. Yeah. The American frontier modern frontier trilogy something like that yeah it's a good thing we came into this segment prepared <laughs> and it stars uh four people and then four other no just kidding jeremy renner and elizabeth <laughs> olsen we heard there they're the leads graham green also in it as we heard and hugh dillon the singer from the headstones also plays a pivotal role and it, yeah it's very good it's uh not uh, easy to watch all of it but it's some uh, high quality filmmaking i suspect we might hear more about it come oscar season yeah, Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River, all three of these films are excellent. I'm pretty sure that uh, the music that was used in that clip is from Sicario, but I'm not 100% of that. I'd have to go back and watch that film again. Uh, That's on DVD it? and Blu-ray, November 14th on Tuesday. Also on DVD and Blu-ray, Atomic Blonde starring a Charlize Theron. Do you watch that one? I did see it in theater. I was disappointed by it. Really? Stylish, and her like the action is great. Watching the trailer... Uh, she was super dynamic in the fight scenes, and uh, she did most of her own stuff, which was tremendous. But um, this it had no substance. Really, like I didn't, you didn't get to know her character at all, and uh, I just found the, the story confusing. And I don't know. So yeah, and I guess if you don't really care about the character, the stakes just aren't there. Correct. And that's yeah, not a fun was, way to watch. Movies. And the story was, I don't know, it was just bland. So it was, it was, it wasn't terrible. Like I still kind of enjoyed it, but it was, it was a huge disappointment. All right, and on digital HD on Tuesday, a movie called Logan Lucky. That's from director Steven Soderbergh. His first in a long time. He had said he was retired, but then he came back. And it's about a heist uh, set against the backdrop of NASCAR. It stars uh, Kylo Ren and James Bond and Tat- Tatum Channing, and I guess they get into hijinks. Tatum Channing? Channing Tatum, sorry. <laughs> Did it again. Oh, I thought you were doing it just because uh, that's what you call him now. No. I, now I, I have His name is indistinguishable to me at this point. <laughs> but everyone who saw it uh, said that it was really good. We didn't get a chance to see that one. That was there and gone pretty quick, it seemed, from theaters. But Well, that came out in, uh, in August, 
I'm just looking, pulling up the Rotten Tomatoes. It got uh, great reviews, mm-hmm. uh, 92%, and it was released on August 18th. It kind of, I remember when I f- saw the first trailer for that, I saw the trailer for it in a movie. I don't remember what movie I was seeing, but I hadn't, hadn't even heard of this. No, he did. He uh, gleefully sidestepped all studio involvement, so he didn't get any marketing push from them at all or distribution push from them at all. Okay. So, and it was he was supposed to trying to be like, uh, you know, this pioneer in a different kind of movie distribution, but apparently it backfired on him. So oh, there wow. You go. Uh, well, its worldwide box office was $44.8 million, so that's not... Terrible. No, because the budget would not have been anywhere close yeah, to that. Like, I can't imagine. Looks like it was $29 million yeah, for there the budget. Uh, movie with a much bigger budget and a much bigger box office take, Thor Ragnarok. Debuted in theaters last weekend. We'll tell you how it is up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. This is Thor. Welcome. Voice activation required. Thor. Access denied. Uh, God of Thunder. Denied. Prince of Asgard. Denied. Strongest Avenger. Let me try. Banner. Welcome, Strongest Avenger. Oh, what? Thor Ragnarok. The latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok, opened in theaters this past weekend. Massive domestic opening. $122 million. That is significantly better than the first two Thor films. In 2011, Thor opened with 65.7 mil, and in 2013, The Dark World opened with 85.7 million. Both of those very respectable, but this is a bona fide smash hit, and Ragnarok's worldwide total is already over $500 million. The first one, by comparison, made 450 million total for its entire worldwide run. It's also the best reviewed of the three films. The first one had 77% in Rotten Tomatoes, The Dark World 66, Ragnarok at last check was at 93%. So what is Thor Ragnarok about? Well, first of all, if you are not familiar with the Thor character in these Marvel films, he's the Norse god of thunder. He comes from the magical realm of Asgard, which is way off somewhere in space. He carries around this big hammer that he calls Mjolnir. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he is one of the Avengers. And in Avengers Age of Ultron, he started having visions of bad things happening back in his homeland. Visions of the end of days, a.k.a. Ragnarok, which is what they call it in Norse mythology. Since that film, he's been trying to figure out what is coming, and that's where this film picks up. And in short, some things happen that lead to the goddess of death, Hela, being inadvertently freed from the prison she's been banished to for a very long time. She's played exquisitely by Kate Blanchett. In the ensuing melee, Thor and his brother Loki end up on a distant planet called Sakaar, which is run by a dude named the Grandmaster, played hilariously by Jeff Goldblum. Thor is made to be a gladiator, and his first opponent is the Hulk. He's a friend from work. While on Sakaar, Thor meets a fellow Asgardian, the mysterious Valkyrie, and Thor hopes he can unite them all to save Asgard. So Jeff, 
What did you think of Thor Ragnarok? First off, I will say that Led Zeppelin song, Immigrant Song, plays a couple times in the movie, and it's the best thing ever. Yeah. It was just nothing. Uh, it's been so long since you've seen a piece of music fit uh, a movie that well. It's just amazing. It really is. When you hear it in the, the second time, it's, yeah. it is figuratively and in the context of the scene, literally electrifying. And they cut to like a wide shot, and it goes in slow motion, so it just looks like this glorious painting with the Zeppelin plane over this is ah it's awesome it's good stuff no, um great. and in general I love the movie it was it was funny it's uh it's really funny which is a good thing because if it wasn't funny this movie would it would just be too dumb it would just be too silly all because with all the uh, Rainbow Bridge and all this you know what I mean yep. all the sci-fi of it all that's the the comic book stuff it's uh, it, it, I wouldn't be able to watch a straight serious movie of this subject matter at all. <laughs> okay. They can get away with it with like a, you know, with a Captain America because that's more grounded in reality, right? Yeah. Like he has to drive a car and he has to blah, 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 ride in an elevator to get to the top of a building. He can't just fly up there with his hammer yep. or ride the Hulk up or whatever. So so I thought that was good. And I mean, who doesn't like laughing for two hours? It had some great comic stuff in it. Jeff Goldblum, of course, has never been Goldblumier. He's used... <laughs> Just the right amount is just amazing. It's like, oh my god, it's, it's might be Pete Goldblum. Yep, I would say. And good. and there's another character in it. I can't remember his name. He's he's a guy made out of rocks. The Rock Man. He is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Laugh out loud, funny. And there's another cameo that I couldn't stop giggling at. I won't say who it is or what the situation is, but ah, oh, it cracked me up too. And yeah. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, surprise, like big name cameo. There are a couple of big names yeah. on that stage. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, overall, my only sort of bone to pick with it is that the difference between the serious stuff and the goofy stuff. Because on Sakar, where this is the the planet they're on in the middle where he meet, fights the Hulk and stuff and Goldblum's there and the Rockman's there and it's just or it's a good romping good time and then but they eventually have to go on and uh, fight against Hela and things are supposed to be more serious or whatever and I just I, I was like go back to the other planet that was more fun <laughs> okay you know what I mean so you thought that the shift in tone was a little much it was a little much and, and it was it was just less I thought just Sakara was that much greater than what was happening on Asgard. Although there was some good stuff on Asgard too. Uh, what's his name? Carl Urban. Yep, that's his name from Lord of the Rings. He, I enjoyed his the character he played in this. He kind of cracked me up too. Scourge. Yeah, and uh, but overall, you know, it was it was a little, so much fun. It was more fun than I thought I was going to have. Four, I give it four out of five. Described as the funniest Marvel movie, which surprised me because Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. was pretty funny. So when I saw that in one of the ads, I thought, oh boy, that's. That could be a real stretch here, but I, I think it's an accurate description. I agree with everything you said. To say that uh, this is funnier, uh, it's a legit action comedy. Chris Hemsworth has great comedic chops, and director Taika Waititi, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, I don't know. He's He managed to make the silliest character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor, more relatable and down-to-earth. Uh, I would add an editor's note, though. I like both of the Thor movies. Like, I did I as really well. really like the first one. Uh, yeah. I, I remember liking the second one. I, I would like to watch it again, though, see if I liked it still as much. Yeah, I saw part of it on TV uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I found I, I couldn't turn it off. Oh, yeah. So, I, uh, I, I literally it. can't remember what happened in <laughs> that movie. Well, it's it's definitely much darker, uh, but it, it's still funny. It's got some interest. Like, it has that one gag where Thor kind of quietly... 
hangs his hammer on that's the what i remember rack. of it yeah and there's a little self-satisfied grin on his face when he like figured out oh it's a hook for my hammer <laughs> uh but generally speaking thor is the, the 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 hero who i think has connected the least with fans for the reasons that you pointed out that he's got this this magic hammer that enables him to fly yeah. and he comes from a place that has a rainbow road that looks like it's straight out of super mario kart Viral videos over the last year or so of Thor in his off time and his new roommate that he has, I think, have helped to paint the character in a different light, in a comedic light. So it wasn't super jarring to just suddenly see him being always funny on the big screen. Although I, the first scene of the film, I thought they came like right out of the gate trying too hard to be funny. Oh, really? I just I, oh yeah. It didn't quite connect with me. I thought, okay, we we know you're trying to change the tone, but it was almost. Like too much. They were bashing us over the head. Like, hey, laugh at us. We're funny, <laughs> but uh, he still, you know, Thor. Despite the fact that he's now a funnier guy, still kicks serious butt. And I think Hemsworth hulked out his physique more than ever for this role. So kudos to him for that. I was. Uh, I like the shorter hair better than the long hair, anyways. Well, and it's got to be uh, cool. easier for him too to not have to deal with putting the wig on all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, the, the the short hair looks cool. Outstanding visuals in this film. Super colorful, super imaginative, and it was great in 3D. I actually insisted with uh, the guy I went to see this. I said, can we please go see this in 3D? Because mm-hmm. a movie like this, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy type where it's tons of digital effects uh, in the background, that that is the stuff where 3D looks better. And uh, I found it intoxicating, really. I, I want to go back. Yeah, like the outside scenery when they're on, oh, I wrote it down, I can't remember, Sakaar. Yeah. Like, because there's stuff going on in the sky in Sakaar all the time. That would yep. look cool in 3D. It was. It was great. So I, I think I actually really need to go back to see this film. Goldblum, I second <sighs> your thoughts. So amazing. He was just so much fun. And uh, there were a couple of scenes where even... He doesn't even have to say anything. He's no. just got these weird looks on his yeah. face. And I just, I was the only one in the theater kind of giggling. I think we, we get more excited about the Goldblum than a lot of people. But I wonder how oh, they, man. like they give him the script, he memorizes the lines, and then they just like turn on the camera and they're like, just do it three different ways. I bet that's what they do. And they just edit it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I guarantee he gives them three gold uh, versions of it. Yeah, he's so it's good. Awesome. I'm a ho- I really hope that this helps kind of inspire uh, a career resurgence because I know that he had Independence Day resurgence, which was terrible. And uh, he's been in those apartments.com commercials. <laughs> where it's, uh, what is it? Change your apartment, change the world. Well, I suspect he uh, has a pretty fat bank account. I, I wonder how much they gave him for this. I bet he had to work, what, two and a half weeks or something like that. Yeah, and he's got a several, like five million dollars to show oh, probably. for or something. Sure, why not? With the Marvel movie, I would bleed those people dry if they wanted me to be in their movie. Oh God, yeah. He's uh, so. Hopefully, we see his character again, the Grandmaster. Overall, I just thought this movie was lots of fun. The story is kind of all over the place, but yeah. it was just so much fun. I didn't care. Same here. And it was just like, well, whatever. Whatever happens, happens. And it's it's very much. I don't know. I, I actually I don't know because I don't follow the comics and but I think it was sort of standalone compared to what's going on overall read the Avengers, right? Yeah. Like as far as it didn't I don't think it tied into the Civil War or Infinity War really for the most part. Not until the end credit scene, the yeah. or the mid credit scene there's right. a very brief scene mid credits which I think leads into Avengers Infinity War and it was very ominous. But yeah, in terms of the the events in the film it was just kind of a standalone bash up and yeah. it was a real treat 
It's not too long either, just a shade over two hours. Nope. And uh, Hella, uh, Kate Blanchett, you could she was having so much fun on screen, and you could tell. And I like that when it's apparent how much the actor is enjoying themselves, and she really brought it. And her character, I. I I, I, you know, I, given what we saw in the film, I think it's safe to say we won't see her character again, but I'd like to because she was, what a, her power, she can like conjure blades out of thin air. Yeah. That's, that's a, terrifying. That's insane. That's almost too powerful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was one of the things that I forgot to, one of the nitpicks is like, you remember his original posse from the other two movies? Yeah. They got thoroughly shafted in this thing. Oh, huge. That is like... It's like, hey, uh, by the way, we just don't want you in the movies over more anymore, so we're going to put you right on the sidelines. And this is like, wow, that's mean. Yeah, and the way they do it is quite shocking. Would point out that if you are if you have any young kids, I don't know that I would take them to see this movie just because even though it is fun, it's a comedy, it's a lot lighter, there is a lot of violent death that is handed out. Not gory, but just violent. Yeah. And I think probably much more violent than most of the Marvel movies, in the, at least in the, the brief scenes that we get, courtesy of Hell. But overall, I really like this movie. I'm actually going to give it four and a half couch cushions out of five. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it for days. I really need to go back and see it again. And up next, Jeff's going to tell you about a movie that Oscar contender, you think? Uh, To some degree, yeah. Certainly one of the actors. The Florida Project is the name of the film. We'll tell you about that up next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. I saw another movie this week, a terrific little movie. Willem Dafoe runs a motel in The Florida Project, where, among other things, he has to deal with kids dripping ice cream in his lobby. Okay, I warned you. One drip and you're out. Oh, come on! Out now. It's going to melt outside. It's melting inside, too. But, Bobby... Out. Thank you very much. You're not welcome! The story involves the people who live at this little motel in Florida, near Orlando, I guess, because Disney World's right nearby. Not that these folks ever get to go. They're all pretty poor. They have their troubles. Willem Dafoe is the manager of the hotel. He, too, is getting great reviews. The Oscar buzz has already begun. Hey, Lee, got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer, and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. Water balloons thrown at tourists. Boobies! Boobies! There's a mother, Moni. You yeah, Mom, you're a disgrace. <laughs> it's out in limited release right now, and it should expand as the weeks go on. Have a nice day. Love you, Moni. I love you, too. And I love you, too, Willem Dafoe. The movie focuses on the young girl, Mooney, and her mother, Haley, that we heard in the other clips there. That's sort of the setup for the movie. Plot-wise, there's really nothing to tell. There's no plot, per se. It's mostly just a slice of these people's lives kind of a story. And it's a tough life as well. They do have their fun. Certainly the kids do. Mooney is the ringleader of a few of the neighborhood kids. They get into their shenanigans. But because they have not had, shall we say, the most structured young lives to lean on, some of their shenanigans are a little rougher than you'd expect, like they give the finger and swear at strangers, that sort of thing. If I pulled half the stuff when I was a kid, I might not be here right now. (laughs) Mooney, though, is pretty adorable. It's hard to stay mad at her long, as people find out. And she's too young and innocent to realize that she's not being raised in an appropriate place or manner. She does not understand, you know, when government people come to talk to her mom, what's going on. It's more than a little heartbreaking. But she and the other kids give great natural-type performances. I haven't read up on it yet, but I would gather that the director was rolling that camera without those kids knowing it on more than one occasion and just sort of captured some magic. Great stuff. And Willem Dafoe, great performance. I mentioned it last week in the November movie preview. It's weird to see him playing a nice guy. He's uh, always either an outright bad guy or at least a shady guy that you're unsure about. 
I mean, I guess by the end of The English Patient, he's proven himself a good guy. That's one of my favorites. My favorite joke about that movie, actually, is that Defoe is the happiest character at the end of it, and he gets his thumbs cut off. Gross. That's how sad that movie is. But I digress. So here he's the manager of the hotel. He's got a lot of patients. He cares about the tenants, even though a lot of them test his goodwill and often. He smokes, cusses. He's gruff a lot of the time. He's downright terse other times. But inside, he is a big softy. He puts up with more crap than he has to. Certainly more than what he should, given his station in life. He could get that same job at a much better hotel and not have to deal with half this stuff. But he knows these people need him, and he won't abandon them. So there's, like I said, Oscar buzz for his performance. And I would have no problem watching Willem Dafoe win an Academy Award. The issue the general movie-going public will have with this movie, I think, is the ending. I know this because a lot of people were grumbling about the ending on the way out of the theater when it was over. I wasn't impressed with it either, to be honest. I understood it. It had some artistic flair. It was on point thematically. It was even poetic, but it wasn't satisfying. Endings are tough, and if they don't land, they can damage an otherwise quality film. The more I think about this one, the more I can appreciate the ending, but in the moment, it didn't do it for me, or a lot of other people, it seemed. I don't say this to try to stop you from going to the movie, but rather to manage your expectations, and then maybe it won't ruin the whole movie for you. Because it definitely is a movie we're seeing. It's an original little film that showcases a subset of society we don't often see on screen, or if we do, that we don't often empathize with. And that done well is always worthwhile. It is a hard R movie, by the way. Don't let the little cute kids fool you. There's a lot of bad language and adult content. Uh, but I give uh, four couch cushions out of five for the Florida Project. All right, we have 60 seconds left here. You want to celebrate an anniversary? Play the clip. Let me ask you something. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. Just call it Frendo. The Coen Brothers' instant classic No Country for Old Men hit theaters on November 9th, 2007. It has been 10 years. That year, I bet we played that clip, what, once a week? Oh, easily. At least. That's uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. I've actually sort of been sort of been thinking about it, uh, and as many good movies that have come out in the past decade, I don't think there's been one that I like better than No Country. Really? So, happy 10 years to that one. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that we you had a reason to play this clip again. I know. <laughs> I can't believe it's been 10 years. Tune into already. the 20th anniversary and I'll play it again. <laughs> That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.